Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Ray and you're listening to another episode of the Real Music Nashville podcast. On this week's episode, I got to sit down with Kara Frazier on a Zoom call and we had a great conversation. Um, She went over generally how she got into music and uh, the path that led her to Nashville. And then we spoke more specifically about um, the areas she plays in town. She gave some great recommendations of some like soulful jazzy type clubs that are in Nashville that a lot of people may not know exist. She also went into detail about sort of what it took to uh, record and produce her latest EP, The Deja Vu Sessions, now streaming on all live stream platforms. So check that out. Rate, review, subscribe. It's absolutely incredible. Not only is she a phenomenally talented vocalist, but she's a great songwriter and she has an incredible band that backs her up. Um, It's just absolutely incredible so go check that out and um, enjoy if you have an album or a single that you would like promoted on the intro to one of these podcasts just contact me at realmusicnashville at gmail.com and we can make that happen okay before we jump into the episode with Kara I just have a quick update Um, the deconstructed sessions that we were previously doing out at the Whiskey Bit Saloon Uh, We are now live streaming out of my studio every other Monday. So that's the Deconstructed Sessions with Chad Wilson. And he basically sits down with an artist and um, they'll have a conversation. It's more of like a live podcast. So they'll have a conversation and the artist will play a song. Chad and the artist might play a song together. Um, But it's really more focused on the conversation. We're also going to be releasing the Deconstructed Sessions audio um, on the same RSS feed as Real Music Nashville. And so this is really the beginning stages of Real Music Nashville becoming more of a podcast network uh, as opposed to a standalone show. We're also moving into live production and booking. um, And as soon as we find a venue, uh, we're going to be putting on shows you can actually come to. So that'll be fun. Some of this timeline may be a little bit confusing, but the next live stream we're doing is April 12th, and you will be able to find that live stream on our Facebook page and YouTube. I will put links for that in the show notes. So stay on the lookout for the Deconstructed Sessions with Chad Wilson every other Monday at 8 p.m. live streamed from Real Music Nashville Studios, and keep an eye out on all the projects that we have coming up. It's just... It's slightly overwhelming, but really, really exciting, and I can't wait for you guys to come along for the ride. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Real Music Nashville and the Deconstructed Sessions um, once we start putting those out. That really helps us get sponsorship, and then we can start paying some of these people that have been helping uh, put out the live stream and just producing a lot of this great content. Okay, that does it with promos and plugs and updates. Now we'll jump into the conversation with Kara Frazier, and we'll transition with a clip from one of her songs off the new EP that she created, The Deja Vu Sessions. This song is called Words. Found myself in the spaces between Light and darkness Walked off the edge of my
thanks so much for coming on and doing this. Yeah, of course. Your space is amazing. Is that like your home studio? Yeah, this is my studio. And um, yeah, I try to have people come in here as much as I can. But with COVID and everything, you know, people are pretty skittish. But, you know, Zoom is good enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Um, I guess I sort of start these things off the same way. And I hope it doesn't get formulaic. But I feel like... Um, people listening, you know, should have like a good background on the artists that I'm interviewing and stuff. Um, yeah. Can you kind of tell us where you're from and um, just sort of your journey? What brought you to Nashville? Definitely. Yeah. So I'm from Florida, um, from the North in Jacksonville. And when I was 14, I started performing in local bars and in local competitions. And then as I got a little bit older, I started touring with a corporate band and, you know, we just stayed mainly in the Southeast region. Um, but yeah, so I really got my roots there and got like five years of performance under my belt and studio time and things like that. Um, and then I made an EP in Nashville uh, when I was 16, um, which feels like a lifetime ago now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I came and like saw this uh, the place and fell in love with it. Um, so then from there, fast forward, I graduated high school and decided to go to Belmont. Um, so that's where, you know, I really um, started making connections and I uh, studied music business. So that was really cool. Um, I minored in music and yeah, it was just a great experience. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of where my journey began. And then um, just in the past, like four years, I've started releasing music and I have three EPs out now. So things have really been cooking and it's been fun to like, you know, actually be releasing music versus just writing and not putting it out there. And I feel like COVID kind of gave me a chance to do that. So yeah, it's been fun. That's interesting. So you got like a really young start then. Um, I have to say your voice is fucking incredible. Um, I've been listening to your music, getting ready for this, uh, you know, this zoom call and, uh, uh, you know, before I walked in here, my wife was humming, um, what does it say the word or had to, is it words? Oh yeah, words. Yeah. yeah. We love that hook. It's, uh, it's really Thank great. You. But, um, so you started singing at like 14 or something and you said you, um, how did you get the opportunity to create an, an album or an EP when you're like 16 in Nashville? Totally. So yeah. And I kind of misspoke on that. I actually started singing when I was like 10, but I started <laughs> performing out when around 14 and like making money off of it. Um, right, right. But I, yeah. So I knew this guy named Dave Mack and he has the coolest story. Like he was in Nashville during the Elvis era and worked the A&R for Elvis's records. And um, he had a good buddy, Nora Wilson, who has passed now, um, but he's a Grammy winning songwriter and producer, worked with a bunch of big country stars. Um, so Dave took an interest in, you know, a talent really young. And for a few years, he was like, hey, we should go to Nashville and do a record. And I didn't even know really what that meant. You know, at that point, I didn't write. And I was, you know, I was so young. I was probably 12 at that point. But fast forward to like 16, Dave approached me again and was like, hey, I really think we need to go do this. Um, so we ended up doing a Kickstarter and locally we raised $10,000, which was just That's wild. Incredible. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I got to go up and work with a bunch of A-listers in the studio. You know, these guys are veterans. Um, and it was just so cool to be able to work with people with their 
you know, history. Um, yeah, so that's how that got started. And then I released that. It was like super country, <laughs> which is funny yeah. <laughs> to think about now because it's so not me. Yeah. Um, but it was a really cool experience and it, it got me my start in the studio at least. And I remember going in, I was so freaking nervous and I sounded like crap, you know, like I just had so many jitters and um, I got warmed up eventually and it all turned out really cool. But yeah, so that that's kind of how that happened. That's so interesting. You have, you've been doing music your entire life. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, first time I've run into that with all the people I've interviewed. Um, so when you graduated Belmont, did you start co-writing? Did you fall into sort of Nashville's co-write scene? Or did, I, that sort of leads into the next question, too, is are you writing all your material now yourself or are you co-writing as well? Yeah, I would say I I tended to write by myself a little bit more. But my now husband is somebody that I would write with. And then I had a few friends that I would write with here and there. But it just kind of, you know, it wasn't my my thing to like get into a room with, you know, three or four people and write like, you know, a bop as they call it. Um, I just don't love that style of working. And I tend to like take my time with writing and write a little here and there. And um, so I did a little bit of it, but yeah, I just found it wasn't, it didn't jive for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I I actually do. Yeah. It seems it almost gets too, um, like manufactured maybe or something like it almost feels like an office job at that point where you're like coming in and just sort of like putting pieces together and it's like it's not genuine it doesn't come I mean I guess it might seem it's not as genuine as something that like really comes from your heart and that you're doing for yourself you know right yeah I you know I have so much respect like just loads of respect for people that are able to go in a room and write for an artist or write a song about X, Y, or Z and make a freaking amazing song. That's such a talent and a skill in itself. But like you said, for like my artistry, maybe that's not going to get the message across that I want to at that time. Um, It's interesting because a lot of my albums have been, um, or EPs, I should say, have been really conceptual and um, aligned with what I was going through at that time in my life. And so I kind of look at it as like chapters of who I was then. And yeah, so it, it's just very personal to me. Um, but I see that you write as well. Yeah. Uh, I, Yeah. I mean, I've been in bands pretty much my entire life. I've got the hearing to prove it. Um, <laughs> you know, too, <laughs> Don't many, we all? too many rock bands. And um, yeah, I went to MTSU, uh, was a music business major like you, uh, minored in music. Um I was like this close from a double minor in classical guitar, took several writing classes. And then at MTSU, which is in Murfreesboro, and for those listening, that's like an hour outside of Nashville, they really, really push the co-write scene and um, uh, just the really the Nashville brand of of writing and everything. So I kind of got to experience that. And I do have, that's kind of my experience and why I can sort of say that, yeah, it, once you're doing these co-writes, it's, it does feel sort of like formulaic and not genuine. And, um, some people are really great at it. I wasn't, you know, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, it sounds like you did a, a little bit of research yourself. Yes, for sure. So did you have like 
classical training as a vocalist? Do you have uh, formal training at all? Do yeah. Uh, uh, so my teacher, I've had her now for fifteen years. Um, so I learned classical for the first two and a half years. And I I don't know about you. Maybe they made you do this at MTSU with your guitar, but she would not let me sing anything commercial. And I was like ready to rip my hair out, you know, because at, when you're so young, you don't realize the value in learning proper technique until you realize it later. Um, but yeah, so she was really strict about that. Wouldn't let me do anything else. And then eventually once I got a hang of how do you sing the right way, we were able to take it. And, uh, I attribute, you know, my, my ability to blend different genres to my vocal coach, Chris Rowe, because, she taught me every single genre under the sun and she didn't allow me to be like, Oh, I can't sing that. You know, we just did every single genre because that is how we knew like, okay, we can blend them all together and make something very unique. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, uh, what I, I actually teach voice lessons now. Um, and that is the technique that I use still to this day is classical technique because there's nothing like it which you probably found with guitar as well, I would think. Yeah, um, it's all technique. It's all technique and practice. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is, like, some people will go out and see an act like you who's just incredibly vocally talented, and they'll be like, oh, well, that's talent, God-given talent. It's like, no, it's a little bit of that, but it's a lot of hard, hard work. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there that surely you've put probably over a decade into your voice. Wow. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. When I was in um, middle school and now that I think back on this, I'm like, what kid does this? But anyway, I was always an old soul and I was very serious about like, I'm going to do music. So I decided to do virtual school. And because, you know, my parents saw that I really wanted to, um, I was able to handle it. And then I got to sing like three or four hours a day. And so that's just what I, you know, I love to do. And I still love to do that. And yeah, I'm finding like now if I don't sing every week, at least I am, I feel like it really affects me emotionally. And what I realized is like that, you know, just like playing guitar or um, writing or whatever somebody does that is their passion. It's like, you have to continue in it to have your form of expression. Um, so yeah, that's been something interesting that I've noticed. Yeah, absolutely. If I don't, yeah, if I don't play my guitar, I definitely feel it emotionally. And then also, uh, uh, yeah, it's just like you have to, it's like it gets something out of you. Personally, I can never do the singing thing. Um, it seems the voice, there's something so, I mean, there's something so personal about it to then go to a coach. I was always too, like, um, I don't know, self-conscious or something. But there's something just so much more personal about the voice to me than there is about, like, messing up on guitar. It's like, I don't know. There's something about Well, that's an interesting point to bring up. Um, my teacher used to tell me that singing is like putting your heart out on a platter for everyone. And it's so true. And... Um, if it makes you feel any better, when I went to my first lesson with her when I was 10, I went in and literally just yelled, my heart will go on, Celine Dion, and she'll <laughs> never let me live this down, but the cat ran. And so <laughs> it's 
really, it's not a great time at first, but like once you do it, and I've seen this happen with so many of my students, um, your confidence builds and, you know, you're able to just not be as self-conscious because you see the growth. So yeah, maybe I'll, Hey, hit me up and I'll give you a free (laughs) lesson and we'll just see (laughs) how you like it. That sounds excellent. I might actually do that. Um, (laughs) well, let's talk about some of your, um, your experiences in Nashville. You're not really country. I think you could probably get away with playing on Broadway if you wanted to. Um, but like what area of Nashville do you think you really fit into? Like, where do you find yourself performing the most? Yeah, definitely. The jazz and soul scene here has really grown. I saw it happening uh, the past five years where, you know, um, Five Spot was having Sunday Night Soul and they've done that for years now. But I became friends with, um, you know, uh, Sid that does the booking over there and met Jason. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with any of, of these venues or these people, but definitely check it out if you're not, because they they are amazing musicians. And, um, you know, places like the back corner I used to play because they're very they're almost nightclub uh, feel yeah. in there. And so I would play there. Um, I used to do corporate gigs at some of the hotels downtown, like the Hutton yeah. and the Bridge Bar at the Renaissance, places like that. So it's kind of like the the other Broadway, if you will, that it's less twangy and you can do different genres. Yeah. Yeah. So I found myself fitting in there and, you know, um, I played like the High Watt and Mercy Lounge and spots like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, beyond that, I love to get in a room or in a session with some of the best like soul and jazz players that I know in town. Um Matt Chancy is one of the best arrangers and guitar players I know. You'll if you ever check out my socials, he's like all over it. He's one of my good buds. Um, yeah, so I just that's my vibe is like any venue or place that allows music other than country, which is actually kind of easy to find. I'm not gonna lie. Like I thought it wouldn't be, but it is because I think people crave that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you about that. Is just so that everyone knows. Um, kind of where to find like the soul jazz scene you know um that's what i do with every artist on this podcast kind of i want i want people to see you know what area of nashville this type of music is in and you know uh for people visiting or just for any musicians that might be coming up through the ranks you know right now and kind of trying to find their place in nashville it's not all broadway but a lot of it is too you know yeah yeah i mean i miss it a lot um even before COVID, um, Soulshine uh, used to do this really cool jam. And I would go there in college um, every weekend. And, you know, my my friend Mike and I would just get up there. He was a guitar player, or is still. He's a great producer now um, as well. But, yeah, so we would get up there and jam. And that's where I made a lot of my contacts. Um, that has closed since, which is sad. But there's also Flamingo. Um, I, I'm not really sure what the area is called, but it's like, outside of downtown and they do a really cool on I think it's Wednesday nights they do a jam there and it's like invite only so the musicians are top notch um a lot of my buddies play there so that's that's awesome if you want to you know if anybody's wanting to check out music they're doing that actively and like it's all socially distanced and everyone wears wears a mask and everything like that but that sounds incredible if it's invite only yeah that's going to be the best the best musicians there 
Yeah. Like, and let me clarify. Yeah. Like the, anybody can come and watch, but to yeah. play. Yeah. 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 So um, that's pretty cool. So what does a, a live performance look like for you? So, uh, I was listening to, you know, some of your singles and EPs and stuff. And I was like, dude, if she comes out with a full band like this, when she plays live, this is probably an incredible show. Uh, do you find, do you have a, a group that uh, you play with regularly or how does, what does live look like for you? Yeah, totally. And thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I generally have a group. Um, it's a full band, you know, we'll have bass, guitar, keys and organ, drums, maybe a background singer or two. Um, my husband used to do music and now it's more of a hobby, but he loves harmonies. So he'll come and sing with me. Um, so yeah, it's usually like a pretty big group up there. Um, and I'll generally have two or three of the same players, but if somebody's out of town or if they're on a session or they can't make it, you know, I'll like switch out. So I, you know, that's kind of how I do that is I just have my two or three people in mind for each instrument. And then I, you know, rotate them and it's dependent on the music as well, because my second EP, the beach tapes was definitely more, um, I guess, jammy and like, um, just a little bit easier listening with some bossa nova jazz vibes and things like that you know the beach tapes it's got the beach reggae tones underneath so i hired some people for that that i thought would be appropriate and then um the deja vu sessions that just came out was a completely live session and we had a full band there and on that i focused on who's going to be able to come in and like knock out these really soulful um like retro vibes that i was going for so yeah, it's just dependent on on what it is. But I, during COVID, have played a few gigs. Um, one was uh, via Bacardi. It was like sponsored by them. And it was a live stream that was a full band thing. And then I do a lot of acoustic stuff as well. Like my um, guitarist and I will just go and, you know, do whatever kind of set just on an acoustic level. And I love singing acoustic. It's like so much fun to me. So. Yeah, that's um, sounds like you've got a great community of people around you that you can really draw from, you know. Um, yeah, let, let's talk about this EP that just came out. What was it? Uh, January 29th, Deja Vu Sessions. Um, it says it says on Spotify that you recorded that live. So that was all one take? Yes, correct. So how, I mean, were you nervous at all? Just knowing that uh, if I blow this, we got to start all over? <laughs> right. Um if I'm honest, yeah, I was a little <laughs> jittery um, because you just want to do your best and everybody in the room wants to do their best. Uh, that was actually a crazy thing anyway, because the label called me and they were like, hey, um, are you available, you know, in three days to come in and do three songs? And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm thinking, how am I going to pull this off? So I got, I called all my, you know, band members and was like, y'all, can you come do this? And so we only had one, like two hour practice and then we went and did it. So a lot of it was very in the moment, you know, th these are the parts they're choosing to play. And um, it was so cool in that way because it felt like something that would happen in the sixties or seventies, like Motown, where they would go and just, you know, everybody come on in do your best, you know, and just make it yeah. sound cool. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely a little nerve wracking though on the vocal. 
um, thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm helping lead this band. And I also have to nail these vocals at the same time. And we're also doing it. Like we would do one song, maybe five times, and then we would, you know, go to the next one. So we did about 15 takes that day and, um, it was tiring, but it was so much fun. Like during it, you probably get this too, where like the adrenaline takes over and you're just going for it. And then after you're like, I need a nap and a half, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not physically draining, but it's definitely something about it. It's draining for sure. Um, so, so you've released two EPs during the pandemic. Was 2020 like sort of a successful year for you? Just like, uh, it, it seemed like it was terrible for everybody, but some people have been making the most of it. And it seems like you definitely have. Yes. And I always hesitate to say like, it was a very successful, great year (laughs) because there was so much heaviness in the world. And we all know this. Um, but it, it absolutely gave me time that I didn't make before to really sit down and look at all the content that I had, look at the songs I had available. Um, you know, the songs I've been writing for four or five years and kind of just decide like, Hey, um, let's take a step back. You know, obviously I had to stop performing because nobody was. Um, so I kind of grieved that at first, but then I realized like, wait a minute, this is just giving me a season to really focus on recording and releasing. Um, so I would say it helped me find my like true identity as an artist. And it allowed me to really explore the parts of myself that I had pushed away for so long because I was so busy all the time, just trying to make ends meet. And like, um, I also decided during the pandemic that like, I don't believe in the starving artist theory. You know, I think that's a bunch of BS and I think it's a cop out. Um, there's always going to be a way. And I think a lot of people realize this to, um, to further your life, whether it's hard or whether it's easy in that moment, like there's a way to do it. If there's a will, there's a way, um, kind of thinking. And so, yeah, it, it was good. And personally, I realized a bunch of things. I think most of us did. I mean, I don't know about you, like, how was it for you? Uh, well, I started a podcast. <laughs> yes. See, there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started a podcast and every, almost every week since I've started the podcast, um, an opportunity that I just couldn't have ever really imagined has sort of presented itself. I, I don't want to say dropped in my lap because I had to be, I was already working. So like, um, I was preparing to start doing my own live streams and stuff. And then a bunch of, I was already working in that direction. And then, um, a bunch of live shows, um, were presented to me to, for live production. And so I wasn't all the way ready, but I was halfway ready and I learned the rest of it as I went. So, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people have done with this time is they've sort of started working towards what they actually want to do. And if you capitalize on the things that present themselves, you know, it's pretty crazy where you'll find yourself in just a few short months. Man, I agree with that so much. All of that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I hope that there's more people saying that than not. You know what I mean? Um, Because it is a very cool time to sit back and 
do self-exploration and self-improvement and really lean into the things that you love because, you know, just like we're getting to do this today, we probably wouldn't be if we had not had that time, you know? So there's something actually kind of beautiful about it and something good that could be found in all of the chaos. Absolutely. Um, and so you said that this time sort of gave you, uh, you know, a little bit of time to sort of find yourself as an artist. Um, is that reflected in this collection of songs on uh, Deja Vu? Like what, what does this collection mean to you personally? Yes. So it definitely is a glimpse of what's, you know, to come with my sound. Um, I dove in, but I'll be honest, I didn't dive all the way in yet. Um, it means a lot to me because I was able to lean more into the live sound that I've always loved so much. Um, I think when you're making records as a soul artist, you're always told, hey, make sure that you keep enough pop in it or enough, you know, production or enough electronic elements and steer clear of like completely organic elements. Um, but that's coming from a place, in my opinion, of people who don't necessarily think that it's okay to be a, an artist that finds a niche, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Not everybody's going to be that top 40 artist. And so personally, I realized that I don't want to be that top 40 artist. So why was I, you know, trying to make that happen when that's not who I am and that's not where my influences are from. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love this project because it it's a glimpse of like progress in my life. I mean, I was making that after we went in and recorded all that, we, we mixed it and mastered it separately because two weeks before the um, coronavirus breakout happened and everyone knew about it is when we recorded the session. So then fast forward, we're like, what are we going to do about this? Because I couldn't go back into the studio to mix and we couldn't finish it. So then luckily my, um, one of my best friends, like he's, um, my bride's man in my wedding. <laughs> um, so he helped me, you know, um, we were, uh, living together as roommates at the time. And he was like, listen, I've never mixed anything before, but I will help you. And he's just brilliant. He's really good at anything he sets his mind to. So we just had so much fun. You know, I, I like set up this little cot up in the, um, uh, attic of our space and um he had his desk and all of his equipment and we just went to town on it and it took us for freaking ever but <laughs> you know we just had so many good times so many memories that we made and like he's my brother now you know because of this and it was just really yeah so it's special to me in every single way and I'm proud of it that we were able to make it happen during like the most difficult circumstances that's incredible. So the Deja Vu session set on, well, not necessarily set on the shelf because you were working on it, but it was recorded almost a year ago and you're releasing right. it now. That's that's crazy. And you guys pretty much learned how to mix as you went along and did it yourself. That's very impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're, we're impressed with ourselves. We're like, <laughs> you know, it could always be better, but considering all, we're like, yeah, we did good. <laughs> well, it sounds really great. Um so, all right, so one of the s newer segments that I've been trying to do is, um, uh, and if it doesn't work, whatever, I'll just edit it out, but um, is there a song on this EP that 
you would say is your favorite and uh is it, does it have a story behind it that you could sort of break down sure i really like deja vu personally um it's the more ballad dark moody one out of the three um and i find that other people's favorites have been words and i fall apart mainly words because it's happy and peppy and that's like different for me i haven't released a lot of like you know, just feel good, happy stuff. But Deja Vu is my personal favorite because I like writing character stories where I almost feel like I'm writing from the place of like, you know, like a scorned woman in the 60s or something. I know that sounds like crazy, but um, to embody that character and that kind of like diva moment really helps me to get my story across. And so Deja Vu, I would say, wasn't written from necessarily a personal situation that I had, but it was just something that, um, allowed me to like explore that character driven writing. So that one's pretty fun. That's interesting. Yeah. Character driven writing is always fun, but that, excuse me. Uh, that's, um, that's something you find a lot in country also though, is like, uh, telling stories and stuff. Um, yeah, I've always liked that type of writing as well. Um, so with, with all of these singles and EPs that you're releasing, are you building towards a full album soon? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> so I was actually speaking with somebody who um, is kind of mentoring me. And he said, single driven economy is what we're looking at right now. So even though my plans were at the beginning of this month, like, yeah, I'm going to release an album this year. I feel like what I will end up doing is releasing singles until it makes sense to go ahead and release a full-length album. Yeah, I noticed that you have, I didn't know if it was like a marketing strategy, but I was looking at your Spotify and it's like single, 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 then an EP with yeah. the majority of those singles and then single, right. single, single. Is that yeah. something a lot of artists are doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you are independent and you're also emerging, it's a lot easier to promote one content piece versus you know, three songs. Um, it's just smarter and it, um, it's more effective for your fans. It's like they can digest it easier and share it easier. So I've found a lot more luck with that. Um, you know, somebody, well, same guy, he told me the reason that artists do EPs and albums is because that's what people do. But he said, have you ever thought about why, you know, and does that make the most sense? So one day, yeah, heck yeah, I want to be like, hey, I have this album and now it's on vinyl and like, you know, go, you know, buy it at the vinyl store. I don't know. Like, that's just sick, in my opinion, because I, I love vinyl. But yeah, just not there quite yet. That's interesting. So is this guy, um, is he part of, are you on a, do you have a label? Is he part of the label? Is that where you're getting this um this information, like this advice from? No. So he's actually um, a manager in A&R um, that I've just known for a few years now, but um, I, yeah, so I actually might be going for a label deal soon. Um, we're just in the talks right now of that and seeing what that all looks like. Um, but regardless of if I go that way or not, I definitely am releasing more music. I already have two more singles ready to go in April and then one in June. Um, getting married in May. So it's going to be wild. Oh, congratulations. But I, yeah, but I definitely, thank you. I definitely, um, I'm looking at the label 
option. I just have to make sure that it makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, and one of your Instagram posts, you mentioned that, um, and I think it was about the deja vu sessions that you said you couldn't have done this on your own without uh, backing and specifically financial backing. So I didn't know if you had a label behind you or who who's providing that backing for you? Me, myself and I right now. <laughs> so, and then my awesome band members who are like, hey, yeah, we'll give you a lower rate because we love you and yeah. we believe in you. So I can't take all the credit, but yeah, I mean, I, um, I have worked really hard to budget, you know, my money and make these things happen. And sometimes that causes it to take a little bit longer, but also at the end of the day, I get to keep all that I make. So it's kind of a sweet deal. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned you don't believe in the starving artist thing and you're financing all this yourself which is awesome. Um, what's a piece of advice you would give to a Nashville-based artist coming through, you know, up in the Nashville music scene to not fall into that pitfall of being a starving artist and to be able to, uh, you know, support what you're trying to do? First of all, you have to believe in yourself and the value of art. That's a big one because people would try to tell you all the time, hey, you know, try, try this or that. I don't know if I'm feeling this, but what you're going to realize is it's all so subjective that if you take everyone's opinion of what you should be doing and don't believe in what you know you should be doing, you're going to get lost and you're going to chase a million different, you know, things that you could try. And then you'll wake up one day. I'm speaking from personal experience. If you can't tell, you'll wake up and be like, well, okay, do I go, um, this direction or this direction. And hopefully you choose to go the direction that you know you should have in the first place. Um, but you only know that by living it and experiencing it. So like, it's okay. Um, so yeah, believe in yourself, give yourself grace, um, believe in art. And I would say work harder than 99% of the people that are around you. Because if you don't, unless you get a lucky break, which only happens to a very small percentage of people, you're not going to make something of your career. Like it might not end up being exactly what you think it should be, but you're definitely not going to make progress um, if you don't work harder. So that's my advice. Absolutely. There's always someone out there that's going to work harder than you. And um, I have to remind myself that every time I'm doing anything to anything with the podcast or what we're trying to do with live production, you know, I come off of a eight hour construction uh, site day and I'm exhausted, but I, you know, you just have to tell yourself, look, if you don't do this, there's someone else out there that's very much wanting to step right in your place. Right. Yes, that is so true. All right. I've just, uh, I've just got a couple more questions here. Again, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a great conversation. Not only are you a great vocalist and songwriter, but also excellent conversationalist. Um, you too. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. You're doing great. Um, so as a vocalist, do you have a favorite vocalist that you've drawn inspiration from? And can you narrow it down to just one? I'm sure there's a handful. That's so hard. <laughs> um, well, I'll do it this way. My favorite vocalist of all time is Adele. Oh, okay. I think it's important, though, to note where she got her influence from. Um, Amy Winehouse being one. I've seen an interview before where she, you know, said that. 
And then Etta James and Aretha Franklin are both absolutely, you know, they're just the best, the legends. Um, so that being said, I like how Adele brings it to a new modern place, but also keeps all of those really cool classic soul and jazz um, influences in her vocal stylings. And then she also just does so well at being emotional with her delivery. Like when you're listening to her, her dynamics are so good, but it's almost like she's having a conversation with you and you can feel every single word why she wrote it. So yeah, I'm just freaking like obsessed with her. Love her so much. Um, she'll always be my girl. I know she hasn't been doing so hot lately, which makes me so sad, but yeah, man, I got sad. to see her live and that was enough for me. I was like, yep, I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like, um, when I saw buddy guy live, I was like, um, uh, yeah, I yeah, I can, I, <laughs> that's it's your, all complete. your guy. <laughs> well, he's one of the, he's one of many, but yes. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Um, uh, okay. So I like to end these things and I'll give you the end of the podcast to, to promote and plug everything you want. But, um, I like to end these, um, interviews by, uh, I'm trying to build a network where all these artists that I interview and everything, they can promote each other. And eventually that's what I would like them to do is, you know, whenever I put out a new episode, they see it on Instagram, everyone supports each other. And, um, that's really what I'm trying to build here for, uh, as much for me as for you guys as well. Um, awesome. and so in that same vein, um, is there a, a local Nashville artist that you think the listener should, should go check out? Put me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, a local, so I have one from Florida that I can give if that's okay. And then I'll give you a Nashville one. Okay. Um, the Florida artist to go check out is Hallie Davis. She is incredible. Soul pop. I love her. She's one of my best friends. Um, and then I would say, oh, there's just so many here in Nashville. Um, you can edit all this out, right? I can. I can. Struggle. <laughs> but I like, um, I like to keep it as unedited as possible. So. Okay, well, people are just going to hear me struggle through this. That's um, fine. I, I just can't <laughs> choose. Can I choose more than one? Oh, sure. I mean, I've had people, oh. like, say, like, five people in a row. You know, they're just like, oh, this guy, this person, that girl. Okay, yeah. heck yeah. Then I'm all about that. <laughs> um, so the first one would be Chansey, Axel, and Jimmy. Those are my guys. Um, they're the Donaldson Broncos. And we're releasing a remix uh, in the summer. Or, I'm sorry, in April. So the Donaldson Broncos would be the first one. Um, Talia Stewart is an amazing artist. Um, she does a lot of my visual, like creative stuff on photo shoots and video shoots. So she's amazing. Um, Michelle Brooke is a really great artist. She's like Americana soul with a little country in there. Um, Morgan Bosman, she's an amazing R&B artist. Um, and let's see. Casey Velasquez, but she goes by Casey V. She's an amazing pop artist and y'all should definitely go check her stuff out. That's awesome. Yeah. There's just so much talent in Nashville and whether it be country, jazz, rap, rock, uh, everything is here in Nashville. And I'm just so amazed by the continuous flow. Every time I ask that question, this, everyone has the same thing. It's like, uh, I can't narrow it down to one person, you know? <laughs> But, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. But um, again, 
Kara Frazier, you're amazing, amazing vocalist, um, and the instrumentals behind your songs is, is equally as entertaining and, and captivating. I absolutely love your music. Uh, please plug anything that you want, anything that's coming out, anything that's already out. Just let us know where to find it. Definitely. Yeah, so follow me on Spotify, and that will allow you to be notified whenever I have a new release. Um, there's a remix coming in April and then a single following in June. Um, if you follow me on Instagram at Kara Frazier underscore, I will definitely follow you back. I would love to connect with people on there. Uh, Facebook is Kara Frazier Music. Um, you can pop onto my website, karafrasiermusic.com and kind of see all of my releases compiled into one um one area there, um, Vivo. I, I just got a Vivo channel, which I'm stoked on. So definitely go follow me on on there. And whenever I release a new video in June, you'll also see that come up. Awesome. Well, uh, stick around after I stop recording this. But um, everyone go check out Kara Frazier and the uh, litany of artists that she listed at the end of the episode. And uh, check out uh, the Deja Vu sessions. It's absolutely absolutely amazing. And I can't wait for the singles to come. Thank you. All right, see you, Kara. And that was the conversation with Kara Frazier. She's absolutely amazing. Go check out her uh, new EP now, The Deja Vu Sessions. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Real Music Nashville Podcast. And keep a lookout for the Deconstructed Sessions with Chad Wilson. We're going to be re-releasing that under the same RSS feed. Um, That will be the alternating Mondays from Real Music Nashville. And also the live stream um, of that same show comes out every other Monday. And the next one is April 12th at 8 p.m. So come join us. And we will transition out of the episode with another of Kara's songs. This is the title track off the Deja Vu sessions. This song is Deja Vu. Deja Vu Deja Vu Deja Vu Deja Vu Touch my skin, I'm already giving in We've been here a thousand times but never will It's a little too late for my mind to change And I know it's not right, but I'm willing to stay After all we've been through, we still make the same mistake Maybe you 